Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do? The podcast where I, your host, Denner Dennis Mountain, speak with artists and entertainers about their day job. And this episode, I have comedian and barber Kenny Warren out of New York City on the podcast. Uh, this is actually back from October when I went to New York for the weekend and finally got around to just doing the tiniest bit of editing and getting it up. Uh, it was a great chat to have that I had with uh, Warren because I... Uh, don't really know very many barbers. I know a lot of stylists, a lot of women that work at salons and, and places like that, but I did not really know any barbers. Or at least the people I know that do hair um, and grooming and stuff like that, um, they don't have outside extracurricular activities. Like, they don't, uh, they don't, they don't need to find their creative ventures elsewhere, is what I'm saying. Because uh, I think haircutting is a art to its own, maybe, I guess. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a coincidence. I don't know. But uh, it was a fascinating chat with Kenny that I had. And uh, after the podcast, we needed to rush out of there. And uh, well, we needed to rush. Kenny went, uh, got in the car of his buddy who was just basically driving around the block for an hour during the podcast. Uh, and he got back to the show. We did two shows that night that he runs, one at Grizzly Pear and the other at, I want to say, the Lantern main event. Uh, I forget the name of the place, but uh, it was a great, awesome uh, little basement room in the super dark, dark, like absolute darkness with the exception of the spotlight. It was a trip hazard to walk around the room, but it was a good fun time. Great audience. Enjoyed that. And uh, the Grizzly Pair, we did that uh, earlier. And the Grizzly Pair, you may know if you watch the HBO original series Crashing with Pete Holmes. Uh, Pete Holmes is open mic that he goes to in every couple of episodes where it's like, the dude with glasses just eating chicken wings and not like barely acknowledging Pete Holmes like I'm grooming you. That is the grizzly bear. So I did comedy at a place that's been on a TV show and uh, uh, they don't make it look very good on the show. However, I uh, it was a great audience and I had a lot of fun and met some cool comedians that I did not uh, connect with. Uh, there was a comedian from L.A. who was hosting both those shows and uh, she was funny, but it was a different type. Like it was very physical comedy. Um which is different and, and kind of weird. Uh, some of it went over, some of it didn't, but uh, it was good. I enjoyed it. I forget her name and I should not have brought her up because now that I'm thinking about it, I don't remember her name. But Kenny was great. He was very funny. He puts together some pretty cool shows in New York City. Well, the reason Kenny and I had to rush out of there was to get to the shows, but uh, I didn't rush as fast as he did because uh, after showing him out, walking him out, I realized I left the key card and my cell phone in the studios that I was uh, borrowing and I locked myself out. All right. I locked myself out of the studios and it took uh, security half hour, 45 minutes to find a key card to uh, verify my identity, to get me back up in there. So I grabbed my gear and leave uh, and uh, so I can get to the show, do the shows because I needed my stuff. Because it was Sunday night and I was going right from the shows to the bus to come back to, to here to Boston uh, to take a train to go to work at, at 6 in the morning. Like I, I got into Boston like 4, 4.30 in the morning, took the first train to work, worked till about 10 a.m., came home, snapped for an hour and then went back to work from 2 to 6.30 and then came home again at that night and just promptly crashed out, I'm sure. Uh, but that was like the weird part about the whole uh, situation with like security uh, they could have they didn't have a key card anywhere like nobody could find the key card and they didn't believe me because i'm not uh, i didn't have my ids is not in the system and i'm not a regular employee there so they had to verify that i was just some stranger trying to break into the radio studios up on the whatever floor it was and i didn't want them calling the the i my boss's boss 
uh, lent me the space. She's like, yeah, come on in. But she didn't give me a key card. She just had told people who worked. I was like, hey, this guy's cool. Let him in whenever he needs it. Hey, Dennis, here's the people to talk to on Saturday. Here's the people to talk to on Sunday. They'll let you in. And I couldn't contact them because I didn't have my phone. I couldn't. Uh, they, uh, I, So I didn't want them calling my boss's boss to verify my identity and that I was supposed to be there because I didn't want to look like the idiot that locked himself out, even though I was the idiot that locked himself out. So let's jump right into the podcast with my conversation with barber and comedian Kenny Warren. You do a show called, you just came from taping a show called Comics Cutting Comics, yeah. which is, I love it because it's a panel discussion show, Thanks. three comedians, but it takes place in a barbershop. Right. Which, by the way, we have two different uh, ideals of, uh, of growing up with barbershops because in uh, the African-American community, a barbershop is a community place right. where, you know, it's cutting hair is a cultural thing. For me, growing up in Baltimore County, all barbers were either girls who worked at a salon mm-hmm. or old Italian men. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's There'd the be sports on the TV, but nobody was talking to yeah, each other. Yeah, no, no, no. That's a different culture. <laughs> this We're we talking about the black barbershop, really, in Harlem, New York City. This is like a, it's like a country club almost. And uh, it's just that everyone's invited. But uh, basically, you know, we, it's no PC. Um, we, we, we talk about politics. We talk about all the stuff that human resources doesn't allow <laughs> in the regular jobs. That's what we talk about. So where did you, when, let's talk about when you decided to become a barber. Because, again, that's, it's, it, was it a family trade for you? No, it wasn't a family thing. Um, what I makes actually, somebody go, like, I get why a girl wants to be a salon, well, work in a salon? I started when I was 14 years old. Um, it was when flat tops was out. I cut my flat top off, went to school. Everybody was like, who cut your hair? And I said, I did. And after that, I don't know how. I just had a pair of clippers. I guess I got them from my dad. And I just... He was just using them just to shave his beard or whatever. I used them to make money. I started charging a dollar. Sophomore year, it went to $2. Junior year, I started doing designs, you know, cutting basketballs and people's name in cursive and public enemy signs and, <laughs> you know, maps of Africa and all that stuff in people's hair. And maps then, of the band Africa? By no, the, no, no, no. Maps of Africa. Africa by Toto. That's, we used to do them African medallions and all that back in the 80s. Yeah, so 86 is when I started. So I'm 30 years a barber. Wow. So you just started doing it just because you're the one with the pair of clippers. Right. All right. What was the first, uh, since you were, in the 80s was the designs in hair. That mm-hmm. was very popular then. It's starting to come back in yeah. popularity now. What was the first bad design you did that you felt bad about? Um, the first bad design I did was when um, I cut, uh, this dude's like, his name was Aaron Washington. He was a good friend of mine still to this day. And um, I spelled Washington without the G in there. <laughs> And I and I told him because he ain't got no G in him. <laughs> so, well, it was an accident, though. It was Washington. It, yeah, it was Washington. Washington. I was, Washington. I was, yeah, it was Washington. <laughs> yeah. Yep. How old were you when this happened? Uh, I had to be about 16. All right. Now, the big joke about tattoos is somebody spelling a tattoo wrong. If you spell something wrong in somebody's hair, it grows back. Or right. you could shave it off. Right. You can't start over with tattoos. So it was a much... Lower bar. <laughs> True, but like mistakes. he, it was so nice. It was nice, faded behind the letters and all that. So he had to leave it. He had <laughs> like, to leave it. It looks too good to get yeah, rid of. Yeah, and, and only certain people only caught it. You know, so, hey man, ain't no G in that. And then, you know, it'd be somebody else. It'd be like exactly. <laughs> 
So did you open? Or, or do you own the shop that you work at? Or no, you no, I just I just rent a chair. We uh, because that's a weird business. The way that business works, you rent space from somebody else. Yeah, but you're your own boss. So you know, you basically make your own hours, but it's just you have to be able to pay that two seventy five a week, and oh, is and that it's what it is? yeah, it's two seventy five a week. But like is that normal? Uh, that it's normal a little person? high, but I mean, if you have clientele, it, it like for instance, we pay every Saturday, um, and I buy like I don't know two o'clock on Saturday. I have it. I start at ten, and so you know, it's not a big deal. You know, it's just you get it out the way, and then the rest of the day, that extra uh, money is yours. So. It, it doesn't affect me as much, you know. A lot of people got to put money to the side every day, and then, you know, that day on Saturday, then they give them the money. But instead, I just come in on Saturday, make it early in the morning, and then the rest of the afternoon is uh, K-Dub's money. Do you only work Saturday? No, nah, I work uh, Tuesday through Saturday. Okay, so you still do it, and just Tuesday through Friday, it's like this is my weekly money. And then No, nah, it's my job. That's yeah. my job, you know. Uh, comedy. Is, is is my other job, but it's almost like uh, I just finished college, basically, and I'm just, uh, I'm an intern. Let's just say that. You know, I've, I'm a little over four years in the comedy game, um, a lot of producing, um, a lot of sketch, um, and I do a lot of shows now. I'm past at Greenwich Village Comedy Club, so I do spots there. Last night I did the 925, 1125, and the 125 uh, a.m., so like, is it's just work, man. It's just work. You just got to be out here doing stuff, being creative and and innovative, and um, you know, with all the social media stuff, you got to figure that out. I mean, I'm an old dog, so I gotta figure out ways to you know get that uh, social media following and all of that. So it's just, it's a it's a challenging game. It's good though. When do you did you? Because I know people go to barber school. And they yeah. have to get certified. Yeah, I went to barber school. So you did go. Okay. I went to uh, an, cosmetology is, school, but yeah. I took the barbering part. Like it was just a barbering section. So yeah, it took about I don't know nine months to a year. But uh, it's kind of weird that you have to be certified to be to cut hair. Well, I, I understand it though. It's like it's because it's uh it's, it's just I don't know. You got to be certified for things. I mean, for uh, if you're an electrician, you got to go through some type yeah. of uh, uh, tutoring or whatever. Yeah, but you, electricity can kill you. <laughs> like, and that makes and, sense. and you could kill people with um, the scissors or the or the razor blade or you know you could you could do some while, damage. Not like uh, okay. Well, do you do straight razor? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Not a lot of places do sh- straight tra- or shaves anymore. Uh, it pretty much, I mean, Spanish Harlem people like to be crispy. They okay. want it to be as sharp as possible. So, yeah, razor is just, that's part of it. I don't know. Maybe it's different because I had, uh, when I started shaving my head, because uh, I got tired of going to the barber. Is what? Not because I was my hair was thin, because I got tired of going to the oh, barber. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. That's why. I, right. beat, I beat my thinning hairline. Oh, you beat it. <laughs> but no, I would look for places that would do a straight razor shave. Um, because I hear it's really good on your head. Mm-hmm. It feels really good. It lasts a long time, but no places in Baltimore would do it. Oh. Where I'm originally from. Damn, I don't, I don't understand. I think there was some weird uh, law about it, probably because somebody screwed something up. But it's Baltimore. You give us anything that could potentially be a weapon, we'll use it as a right, weapon. Right, right. I've been to Baltimore. I, I mean, well, I can't say I actually liked it, liked it. <laughs> but it was okay. You know, I drove around for a while. I was out in, I was in D.C. for, the, I think, for the Million Family March back in, like, 90, no. It was, uh, what, 2000, 2000, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Baltimore wasn't that bad. It was, it was all right. It depends on what area. Some well, it was daytime, terrible. too. Yeah. Uh, but so when you went to cosmetology school at what age? Uh, I was 25. 
Okay, so that's yeah. a little bit late. Yeah, well, I went to college. I played basketball overseas. I played. Uh, I went to Cal State Bakersfield. Um, we went, you know, it was a Division two school at the time. We uh, went to four Final Fours, won two national championships, uh, thirty three and zero my junior year, um, and then I went overseas and played in Sweden. And then, oh, really? yeah, and then I played in uh, Columbia, South America. And then um, when I came back from Columbia, South America, I finished up barber school and started working at Terrell Brandon's Barbershop in Portland, Oregon in 98. I worked there until 2003. Um, then uh, I just worked at a random shop and I moved to New York in 2004. So you're not originally from New York? Nah, I'm Portland, Oregon dude. Okay. Yeah. So that's where you started doing haircuts in elementary school in Portland, Oregon? Nah, I started in high school, high freshman school. year. Okay. All right, so when you were doing, uh, when you went to the school and you were playing basketball for school, what were you taking when you were in college? Business management. Okay. Yeah, so, um, but I was still cutting uh, uh, the alums. I was cutting the dudes uh, on the team. I was cutting people. That was your, uh, so cutting, cutting hair was basically your side hustle. I, I always school. had some money. Yeah. I always had, somebody needed a haircut. <laughs> yeah. It's the one thing that keeps growing. Yeah. I, the funniest part is uh, when, like, the hair, hairstyles changed in the late 80s. And I had to cut off so many people's curls. You remember the curls? <laughs> Jerry curls, yeah. I, to, I cut so many curls <laughs> off. I cut so many curls off. I guess that's similar to the way, like, you know, I don't think, like, trying to think, like, Jerry curls, that's definitely a, a, definitely a black hairstyle. Yeah. And that went, at, went in, but went, it, went it, out, it, went, I but, saw a lot of white dudes with the curls, too, though. It was like, they, but they just called it a perm. Yeah. But yeah, yeah but the, well, the perm's done with uh, isn't uh, I'm not great with hair, but a perm is done with uh, hot air and curlers, right? Doesn't a Jerry curl have a, a relaxer in it? Not yeah, but it's still it's, it's still uh, hot air cool. and curlers. You oh, still it? have to use but yeah. Also, uh, like not grease, but isn't there a product that goes with it? Yeah, it's uh, it's like a some type of um, lye or or it's it's, it's like uh, they used to call it a conk. Okay. Yeah, like Nat King Cole and them used to have that to straighten the hair out and stuff. But yeah, they just use like you know relaxer so to straighten the hair, and then you you curl you, you curl it and you heat it so it so it stays like that. Yeah, because I think a regular perm doesn't use the relaxer. Um, maybe not, maybe not. But yeah, I, I'm not sure. They might use some type of product. Yeah, because mo- I mean, women get perms all the time. I don't know. It's, yeah. Very rarely well, they probably perms, use. There was a small period of time where guys got perms too. Yeah, yeah, I remember but that. Yeah, I don't think with with in the white world, like I think growing up, the you know I'm 35, so I'm a little bit younger than you. I think. Yeah. Um, the big hairstyle was for me as a kid was rat tails, and oh. the flop. Oh, you, like you, oh, you came up, y'all, yeah, y'all wanted to be like Andre Agassi, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that was y'all's idol. For some people. I know he's a sports guy, but not me. But, oh, okay. Yeah, we had, uh, the big thing was also the flop, where it's like shaved on the sides and back, and then the top was left long. Yeah. So it would just flop over. Yeah. That, that's the only long. Duran Duran. Yeah, exactly. Or, or um, Flock of Seagulls, where you just basically put your hair straight up. Oh, Flock up, of Seagulls, yeah. And just push it down in the middle. <laughs> right. The, 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 yeah, we had ridiculous hairstyles. Yeah. Didn't even, I can't remember. I can't imagine them going out, coming in and going out so fast like that. Because mostly we didn't do much with our hairs. We right. just let it grow long, and then eventually people would cut it here or there. Yeah. Now the man bun thing. Oh, they. But where is your? Shop I hate in? the man bun. Just let me say that Let's for the record. For the record. For the record. As a barber and a stylist. 
yourself, a man who knows hair. Uh, Let's, tell me how, why and why you hate the man because I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm on your 100% your Well, side. it snuck up on me, number one. It's just <laughs> like all of a sudden there's man buns everywhere. I, when, I, and, you know, when you, it's almost like when you get a new car. And then all of a sudden you start seeing that car all the time, you know, and not that I have a man bun, but just the fact that like I hate the man bun. It's so as soon as you found out about it. Yeah. No, well, now when I just saw it and I saw all this, this whole and, and I think it's part of the culture of now. They got the skinny pants and they got the shirts <laughs> with the, the ripped up shirts that look like they just lost a fight. And then the shirt is long like a dress costs more than than a shirt that has all the fabric. in it. Exactly. And then less fabric, twice the cost. Exa- that's crazy. And then you got. These damn man buns, these, and you know, it's so funny. I see a lot of lesbians that like the man bun. So, for have always put their hair up in buns, and there's nothing wrong with putting your hair in a bun, it's when it became a movement. But it's shaved, it's shaved, it's a bun on top, and it's shaved all around. So, in essence, it's it's selfish. You got everything going on at once, (laughs) it's selfish, is what it is. But for $25, I will make you look like the best-looking lesbian of all time. <laughs> you know? Where is the shop that you work at now located where you filmed the, the TV show? Oh, it's uh, 124th in Lexington, um, East Which Harlem. Is, East That's, Harlem. Yeah, okay. it's like it's Spanish Harlem right on the cusp. But uh, it's a, it's a, there's a bad block in essence because there's so much stuff going on over there as far as they used to sell this K2, this fake marijuana, and all the bodegas over there. And it was basically placed over there by the government. To, to almost like the way they brought crack in in the 80s. And then after crack, they, they, they had all these abandoned buildings and stuff over there. They sold the buildings to people for a dollar. People like uh, brownstones and stuff. People, uh, you know, that was a come up. You know, you had to have the money to build them back up and everything. But now, you know, brownstones are going for, you know, million Point five, you yeah. know, stuff like that, and, they, yeah. and yeah, and they and they 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 came up off of that. Then, you know, the whole gentrification thing. So, they basically like killed the neighborhood with crack, and then everything was low cost. And then you bring in these different people, and then everything goes up. Now the people that were there in the beginning can't afford to live there anymore. That's what gentrification is. Oh yeah, and it's, um, it's outpricing the people who live there. Right. So that's basically I've seen that, and they they're doing the same thing right now with the K two, and it has people standing outside looking like they're, you know out of it on drugs and all of that, and then, and they're and they're slowly but surely they're changing that whole Lexington block. Watch in the next couple of years, you're gonna find a Starbucks on Lexington. You're gonna have a uh, you're gonna have a, a, a Whole Foods. A whole food when once Whole Foods is there. Once, once the it, neon shine it's done. lights up that says artisan whatever, yes. yeah, it's been gentrified. It's been gentrified. <laughs> as soon as you get a creperie there, it's <laughs> over. <laughs> it's over. Dude, I used to, there's a creperie, uh, uh, the only creperie in Baltimore is right across the street from the, the worst neighborhood. See what and I'm saying? And now it's not the worst neighborhood. It's the I theater know. district. It was the theater district. And the theater was the Charles Theater was there. It's right across from the Charles Theater. Yeah. The theater is the only reason why white people would go to that neighborhood because it's a very sketchy neighborhood. Right. But now they've started turning it around because exactly. all, the, all the artsy kids from Micah would start hanging out in that neighborhood. So they wanted to turn around, gentrify it. But they're all trust fund kids that are living in share or that are squatting in abandoned warehouses. Right. Because, you know, their art makes them do. The yeah. Things. The art. 
Uh, because mommy and daddy paid for it. Nah, because their mom and dad didn't whoop their ass when they was little. <laughs> That's one of my jokes I always say. And this in the crowd, it doesn't matter if they are uh, for corporal punishment or not. They understand when I say, if you don't whoop your kid's ass, they're going to end up over on St. Mark's selling art. And that's... <laughs> That's like it's so true, and and it makes people say, you know what? I maybe I will just go home. I missed the gym today. I just go home and whoop my kid. You know? <laughs> I get that arm workout yeah, with that, with that belt know? swing. Yeah, I was gonna do. I was gonna do curls anyway. I was bring keep bringing them back to me. <laughs> <laughs> do you have kids? Yeah, I got two boys, twenty two and seventeen. Oh, they're not boys anymore. Nah, no, nah, they're they're men. Yeah. Yeah, 22 so, and 17. Yeah, bro. yeah. The oldest one, uh, he goes to Oregon State. He he was uh, president of the Black Engineers Association, um, but and he changed majors to bioenergy last year, so he doesn't finish until this uh, this June coming up. But, yeah, smart kid, man, smart kid. And 17, the 17 year when's he? Is he lives he here with me. Um, is this his senior I'm year? about to send him to Job Corps in about <laughs> another week. It's, it's getting... It's getting real. I mean, you know when a is kid. Is he being 17? He's being 17. Yeah. I mean, but it, it's like I don't get one break. You know what I mean? As soon as I walk in the bathroom in the morning, uh, he's got his toothbrush in my toothbrush area. Like, you, why would you put your toothbrush? I don't care if I left my toothbrush on the sink. You don't put your toothbrush in my parking yeah, slot. Put it in your parking slot. Put it in your you parking slot. Yeah. Then I get in the shower, and he's got the, the nozzle pointed all the way to the wall, so the water's flying straight back and getting water on the floor. And I'm like, why would you? I told you don't touch that. You just take a shower. <laughs> I pay for the water and all of this stuff. You don't touch nothing. This is my stuff. You know? I t uh, school called me last week. I'm like, school just started. <laughs> How could you get in trouble already? I'm like, I took the video game, and you know I'm at work all day, and then I um, come home late a lot of times. So I don't care if I come home at midnight. Your your curfew is 11. You be in the bed. You got to get up and go to school. You're 17. Follow the rules, man. You, it makes life easier yeah. for both of us. I come in. You know, I've already taken the game. I bust in his room. He's got the video game in his backpack, but the controller's in your hand, fool. I see it. <laughs> He's trying to get into the backpack. The wires are coming out of it. Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, I ain't playing it." Yeah, <laughs> look for look for that console. You ain't gonna yeah. find where's it. The, where's the console? Where's the console? <laughs> I'm like, "Yo, this is crazy. This is crazy, man. It's crazy." Then like, like he's all he has to do is three things: wash the dishes, clean your room, and take out the garbage. That's all you got to do. And, and I won't. As I, anything else, I'll here. Here's ten bucks. Do this for me. You know what I mean? I come in, dishes dirty. I'm trying to cook something to eat for us, for us. I got to wash the dishes first so I can cook something. Then I cook, and I go in my room, and I go sit and leave the door open and watch him creep in like a cat burglar <laughs> to go get food in a place where he lives. And I bust out of the room and say, why are you walking like this in the house? Why? Why would you do this? What do you, you know you was wrong. Yeah, exactly. You knew you was wrong. You knew you should have. When I was in here washing the dishes and you heard dishes clinking, you were supposed to come in here and be like, Dad, I know that's Sorry. my job. Let me do this because obviously we're about to eat, you know, or whatever. But he just doesn't, he doesn't get it. He's a kid. Still I know, kid. but 17, you can go to jail. Yeah. You're legally ready to go to jail. You do a crime, you're going to jail. So at that point, responsibility comes into your life. Is there is there is there does their mother live with you or is no, she around? No, she's I'm divorced and I've been divorced since '05 and separated since '02, and 
I don't really. And you have custody of the. I got kids. custody of the kids. That's a rare thing a father has. Custody. Well, it's, not it's, because a father doesn't want to take care of his kids. Most of the time, the courts never give the father full custody. Well, they, they, the courts didn't do it. Is they did it. They they they, they did the it. Yeah, because it's, it was a lot of things that happened. Like she she kidnapped the kid, the youngest one, and, and when he was like ten years old, flew him back to Portland, and you know he's been he's she had already sent him to Texas, and then. My my dad lives there, and I brought him up here to um, New York with me. And I even went back to Portland, took him back, and to stay with him for a week. And women sometimes they just let the emotional things just get to them. And so she came out here, did that. So that was another thing. So you know, you broke down the trust between the father and son, having him running out of the house. So I had to just figure out, you know, how I can twist all of this stuff into material. You know what I mean? Because you get angry, you get upset, but some stuff that's out of your you know, out of your power, you can't get caught up in it, you know, so, I don't know, I just kind of, I've made, I've got, I got different material just because all the stuff that's happened, and then, like, for instance, like, my mom called me, uh, no, I called my mom last year on Mother's Day, and we talked for like 30 minutes, and then right before we got off the phone, and we really didn't have a strong relationship, because she kind of was like, well, she, she, she didn't kidnap him, he didn't want to live with you anymore, I was like, how does a kid have an opinion? You know what I mean? He, you know, he has an opinion. opinion is who gives him the most candy. Yeah, they said I broke his spirit. And I was like, no, I broke him from doing a bunch of stupid stuff all the time. You know, he knew better. Like, you guys' voice doesn't carry the same bass that my voice carries. You know, to raise a man, you have to be a man. You have to have some type of male figure in a child's life, you know, for them to have that like that fear of the, the the parent, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know, respect um, of authority. Exactly. You have to give them authority to respect before they can have respect authority. Yeah. yeah. So, and then I don't know, man. It's just it was so crazy. And well, anyway, so my mom, she uh, right before we get off the phone, she says, "Oh, yeah, I've been trying to call you. You haven't gotten back to me." And she was like, "Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that your ex-wife lives with me." And I was like, "Your mother?" Yeah. And I hung up the phone on her, and I was thinking like. Damn, maybe my ex-wife was right. Maybe I am a son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, why would, you know, after all of this stuff, why would you? And, and, why, and would my, why would she go? Why would my mom take her but in? But come to find out that my mom um had can, has cancer. She had cancer, and she she wasn't telling me. You know, she was you know trying to you know mom trying to yeah, protect my feelings you, and yeah, yeah and so worry you. so she basically was like. I guess needed someone around or whatever. Uh, I can't speak for them, but I'm just trying to give the benefit of the doubt, given the situation, and just kind of be a bigger person and just, you know. Did you move to New York because of the divorce? Basically. Okay. You know, let me. Because you were. Well, I always, I always wanted to, for my own ego, you know, being a barber, people used to always be like, oh, uh, Dante, uh, Kenny Warren and some other barber were always like, these are the three best barbers in Portland. But I always thought, like, Portland ain't really, like, that's not a big thing. Not a jump to, off for yeah, barbershop. Yeah, yeah, it's like, so I was, I started, I read a couple of books about Harlem and the Renaissance and all of that. And I always felt like that was the mecca for, like, black business. And I was, I want to go there and see where I stand with the barbers, the best barbers in the world, with New York City. So I said, you know, once I once I came out here, it was just like it, it was exactly what I thought, and uh, the stance is kind of pretty much the same here too. You know, like now when people say uh, I'm the best barber in Harlem, that's that's that means something to me. You know, from 
Like, that means something. You know, Portland, yeah, I'm from Portland. I love Portland, but it, it, it's, it's 2% black. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not enough. You know, but Harlem, yeah. I'll take that little accolade. Just like, uh, you know, winning the championship in, in, in college, you know. You get a, a, a whole neighborhood saying, you're the best barber. And then you got the barbers in the shop that they want you to cut their hair. Like, you're their favorite barber's barber. Then you, 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 that's that self-gratification that, you know, you need sometimes. Well, so what goes into making a good barber besides a steady hand? Well, um... <laughs> a steady hand. Spell. Well, well, well th- this is what I was just talking about um, a little while ago. You got to be able to, uh, like, take a person's, uh, you know, their what they're trying to get done to their hair, how they want to be groomed, and you want to take that picture they have in their head and make it even better. Like, it's almost like you have a different vision than them. Like, your vision is ten ten, and you're making it even better than what they thought that's what i love i can tell when somebody asked me to do a haircut and then i cut it and they like oh yeah this is man this is what i was talking about like you took their vision and they've gotten haircuts and you took that to another level it's just so sharp and 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 also if someone is a fat person you don't give them a skinny beard you know you have to make you know the shapes and the different things like the mustache and all that it should be in accordance with the person's like size you know you get a skinny person they probably don't need the widest beard you know what i mean they're slim they you know it's just different things like that that you know you, plus if somebody doesn't have a jawline you don't want to build a beard that that accent a jawline that's not there exactly it'll wa- white wa- it'll get washed away in their face mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then also you you got to be a good ear cuz a lot of people they take their barber-client relationship almost as like a therapy session. They come and they talk to you about their problems, and they talk to you about their girlfriends, their wives, their, 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 their families, their jobs. It's, it's, you're, basically, you're a therapist as well. So they're looking to you for advice. you got to have some. You know, it helps. It helps when people think you're a good person and you can cut their hair. It's like, yo, i got to go see him every week. And that's yeah. the thing about in the black culture. They get their cut haircut every week. Yeah, I know old Italian guys will get, I can just get a trim every week. But it's, it's the same haircut every week. It's just a couple clips. And they're mostly going for the socialization. That, yeah. again, is part of the, the black barber shop mm-hmm. culture is that's a community place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never realized, like, what I didn't realize there was a different way to cut black people's hair and white people's hair until I went to, uh, I was... I went to jail for two months. Yeah, uh, I was sentenced to jail for a traffic violation in uh, Baltimore County Detention Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the two months there, like three, four weeks in, whatever it was, they're like, all right, everybody, time to go to the, to the barber. And it just ran by inmates. So there's inmates who volunteer for $2 a day or whatever it was. Haircuts are free, but you're supposed to tip them, and tip them was from something from commissary. Yeah. Like envelo- stomped, stamped envelopes was the big thing. Maybe a snack cake or whatever like that. It wasn't required, but it's like, yeah, you got to do it. Yeah. You know? It's, yeah. It's not required, but it's required. Yeah. To do. Uh, and I sat in the chair, and I was like, you know what? Can you just bust it down? And uh, the two, it was just two black guys doing it at the time. I think there was, like, in total, three black guys in the entire jail that yeah. does it, that do the, the haircut. And the guy asked me, he goes, do you want it with the with the grain or, or against the grain? And I went, 
I, uh, what? And the guy who leans over, he goes, no, 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 you know, he, he's never cut a white guy's hair. I didn't realize there was a different way to cut black hair and white hair. Oh. Goes, that's a white person. You don't have to worry about with the grain or against the well, grain. Well, but the, the, that's a hairstyle because black dudes, I know you've seen sometimes it looks like they have these wrinkles in their hair. Yeah. It's called waves. Yeah. And you're brushing, you're taking a curl and you're brushing the curl and turn it into an S shape. And when a whole bunch of these S shapes, it makes it looks like waves. It looks like someone threw a rock into a pond, yeah. and it's just waves. Now, when black guys get their hair cut, and you have waves, you cut it with the grain. So that means you go hair Back grows hair hair grows from a central point, and then grows out. So you go down from that point all the way around, and that's how waves are are, are made. So okay. like against the grain is when you go this way. Back. So if you do that From to some person, to yeah, when you do that to somebody with waves, you're either going to cut them too short and like and it's going to look choppy, but you can I mean, some people do it, but it's usually not done like that. So that's just the difference. It's for the waves. Yeah. But you can't do waves in the white guy's hair. Uh, right? it depends. I mean, it's a different texture between If, our if a hair. white guy has like curly curly hair. Okay. Cuz I've seen Spanish guys that not okay, maybe uh, white guy would have to have some real kinky really hair. Thick, he'd he'd have to be hair. like second generation. Uh, maybe had a, a, a black. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like basically, anyone is Sicilian. Yeah, and maybe black Irish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you got a little curl, you may be able to do it, but it's just like I hate seeing white dudes with do rags and dreads. You know what I mean? It's like that shit don't look right. And My only problem with do-rags is, is they look ridiculous to me when they're worn inside out. And I understand you do it because you don't want those indentation lines. But it's like, it's inside out. Just don't make it with the band on the inside. Isn't there a way of doing it to uh, where it doesn't give that line and you can wear it right? I don't think so, man. I think the do-rag is way overrated. I, you don't need that. People just like them. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's definitely it's definitely you a, know, a, a fashion thing. Uh, it's part of... of, of uh, the 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 current moment of, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I hate. It. I hate do rags on black people too. It's like you look so ghetto with that. Like it, I, you don't need it. It's not needed, and especially if you got a do rag and a hat on top of it. That is like redundant. What are you doing? And I see people it's wearing with, a t shirt on top of a t shirt. Yeah, they got app dudes got an afro with a do rag. Now, granted, those dudes that really care about their waves and all that. All right, the do rag does help but you still got this line on your forehead what wait how did the durags help with the wave it holds the hair down so okay. like okay uh, easy way to get I waves just, I did, wait, did durags have a purpose and it just became yeah no nah, they they actually it? work they actually work if, if see when, if, with waves is you could brush your hair in the shower because your hair is damp and then you, you, you so your hair is kind of formed it's you, you you're brushing it and you're like training your hair you're training it then when you put the do-rag, your hair is still moist, but the, it lays the hair down and keeps it all, like, uniform with no spiky hair sticking up. Okay. Your hair dries, and it's almost like you're giving yourself a process. Okay. And then you take the do-rag off, and everything is just tightly pushed down and everything. So that's, you know. So it mats it down. It mats it down, waves. yeah. Okay, so instead of getting frizzing out a little bit from, from the drying process, from drying, you, you wear the do-rag to hold it down. So when you take it off, your waves are all yep. down. Okay. Because if the, I guess if the, if the, when the hair gets up and frizzy, you lose the waves. You lose the waves. Uh, 
I never realized the Durag had a purpose. Yeah, man, we learn a lot, man. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you. I'm here for you. That's why I like having people on who do interesting jobs. Yeah, and man. You, some people are like, it's a barber. How interesting could it be? No. Um, let's talk about, you talk about in the first episode of the show, uh, Comics Cutting Comics, which we'll get to in a second. But, yes. Uh, the opening of the show is talking about how uh, the barber back in back in uh, uh, old West days, yes. the barber was the, was the dentist. Dentist. The doctor. Blood letter. Blood letter, yeah. He did all these other jobs, and then he also gave you a pop and fresh cut. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that. I mean, you learn that when you go to barber school. They, you know, they give you the barber history, and, like, the barber was, like, the doctor back in the day, yeah. basically. And, um, you know, the only thing you didn't do was open-heart surgery, basically. You, you know, they did, they pulled teeth. They, you know, they did a lot of different, like, you know, facial things uh, for people. So, um yeah, barbering, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a very special part of, uh, of black culture. Uh, I've seen, like, those shops in, like, uh, where is that, um, downtown. They got uh, Astor Place. They got a bunch of barber shops down there. And uh, there's a lot of Russian guys and stuff. They, they look like they got a little culture there, too, their own little, like, thing. But uh, that black barber shop is something else. And when you, if you ever get a chance to check out comics, cutting comics, it's it's uh, it's interesting. And now we're even starting to have a little more dynamic with it because we 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 have all those other barbers that are at work, and they're starting to be a chime. part of it, chime in here and there, and we're getting them, we're catching them, and it makes it natural. Is he yeah. ready? Nah. Okay. He won't probably will find a part. <laughs> He'll just keep driving. He won't find a part. <laughs> This is this is the midtown right here. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah, well, for the listeners, uh, your your co-host Larry Bayer, Larry Bayer drove up here, dropped you off. We waited for him while he's just driving around the block to look for a parking space. He's like, "Just start without me." He's yeah. Like, All right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, man. No, Larry's a very very funny dude, man. Uh, he's he's loud on stage. You know, he's he he commands that crowd. He's uh he's very uh. Uh, instrumental in the comics cutting comic show and he's he has such history because he wrote he wrote on Frasier um and he, right now he's uh helping produce a show on A&E called Know Your Know Your Crowd so like for me him to be even working with me is 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 a blessing and I feel you know grateful that you know he takes his time out and and, and gives a hundred percent for this project he does a lot with the editing as well because he knows what they're looking for so when we get these like, young editors doing it he'll he'll have it down to the specific time to make the cuts and everything he's good time coding it. yeah okay. he's good uh well let's get into the show uh what was where did the idea for the show come from? okay so um i probably cut about mm, 25 to 30 different comics and people kept saying, man, all these comics coming through here to see you. It was like, yo, you need to like you need to have a show or something like uh, Bob Kitson, who um, I do a show with at Broadway Comedy Club coming up here on October 11th, actually at uh, 8 p.m. Uh, Bob Kitson, he uh, he was like, yo, this would be a dope show. And we start throwing names around and, and Larry and uh, Barry Ribs also. He was like, yeah, man, this is a show. This is a... so I was like, damn, what would be a good name? I mean, I'm a comic, and I cut their hair, so we, we just kind of threw it around. Comics cutting comics, and um, it was it was just it just it just fit. And then also, you know, on the show, we also like cut on each other a little bit. You yeah. know, we we comedians, we talk shit. That's the barbershop. Yeah. So 
it was that double entendre, and you know I'm a Jay Z fan, so it's like, oh, that's perfect. That's comics cutting comics. It couldn't be any easier. It's essentially tough crowd with Colin Quinn, but in a black barber shop. Exactly. Uh, which that was a fantastic, great comedy show. Which mm-hmm. I, I and I would rarely have brought it up now, but it seems to get in this resurgence now that people are discovering it online because mm-hmm. nobody's putting it out. But people are finding the clips on YouTube, and I've been hearing a lot of people discover that show. I watched it when it first came out, right? And I loved every second of it because it's just comedians allowed to be comedians, right? And that's one reason why, I like at midnight, is it's comedians just being allowed to tell jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in a format. That's fine. And it's a game show, yeah. he said with finger quotes. Right, right. But it's just, essentially, at the end of the day, all it is is comedians allowed to be able to tell jokes. And it's so beautiful to watch as a comedy fan that you mm-hmm. can watch comedians get to do that stuff. Yeah. Um, so you, he was coming to town, you wanted to do a show together with him. Uh, with Grizzly was coming to town, you wanted to do a show with him, right? Grizzly? Grizzly, is, is that what you're saying? No, we're going to the Grizzly Pair. Yeah, the Grizzly names. Pair, that's where we have a show tonight <laughs> at 6 p.m. Who was coming to town that you came up with the show? What was the name of the guy? That came up with the show? Yeah. What? Larry Bayer? Oh, yeah, Sorry, Larry, Larry Bayer, yeah. Sorry. I'm terrible with names. Usually I have a pattern and I write names oh, okay. and, and notes down. All good. But I'm on my right side, so it's not going to work today. All right, cool. I got all this stuff on the right of me because I'm in somebody else's office and not in my own home studio. Nice office, too. It's my boss's boss's office. It was – I could either use one of the studios where I – run risk of having a problem. Yeah. Or I bring my own equipment and use their, her, her office. It's and that's, a nice setup, man. It's a good setup. The view's fantastic. Yeah. Like, this worked out ridiculously too well for me. Yeah, this is um, great. Yeah. Uh, the, they're cool. I get to tell people I'm, I'm recording my podcast at Radio City Music Hall. Exactly. Next door. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely told Larry, yo, we got to go to Radio City Music Hall. We got to go do this podcast. He was like, Radio City? I'm like, yeah, it's right next door to there. <laughs> right next door. Nah, it's good. Oh, though. I literally did the video where of uh, selfie video. I was like, "This is where I'm recording my podcast." Looking at it, and then just turned to the address in the same motion. I was like, "Next door." Next yeah, door, guys. yeah. That's funny though. <laughs> yeah, it's. it's I, it, I. This is the thing. Comedians, we all have. Uh, I'm sure. Now that when the show, when you guys finish the show, you start putting all the episodes out and, and people start catching on it, you're going to be introduced as your next comedian has a great show called Comics Coming Comics and it's going to be your credit. I was just speaking with other comedians about credits and I will tongue in cheek say, oh, let me just record my podcast at Radio City Music Hall. Because uh, it's f- people who know me know that I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. It's the funny of it to, is, is to po- over to the top point out that I'm not really. Uh, but I know comedians who will. Use that as their real crack. Well, you and know, that drives me nuts. It's, it's it's funny though because, like, I've been getting like booked on a lot of shows, and they'll be like, I I have credits. I've got the Wendy Williams credit. And I hosted uh, uh, Ice T and Coco's Baby Shower on David Tutera's show. Oh wow! Um, and uh, but I don't use those credits. And people don't ask me. They just put people are on shows like Joking Off or Serious. Whatever, and True, they'll put that. my name, and they'll put comics cutting comics. Like I created my own thing. Yeah, and and then they they put that up. Like at Greenwich Village Comedy Club last night, I did three spots, and they had the list of comics, and they had comics cutting comics. Like so, it's, it's almost more special that I built my own brand, and they respect it as a credit. They wrote that, you know. Yeah, and it's great. It's a good show. <laughs> How are you guys releasing? Because we were talking earlier about you guys are doing this all for yourselves. Like, you're not making a pilot episode to pitch to a company. You guys are completely self-releasing this. Yeah, we, we, we're we doing it on YouTube and on a Facebook page. We um, So 
it's it's it is us, but we got like a couple guys that are like you know doing pretty well in the comedy world. Matt Pavage and John Lasser, they kind Monroe of Monroe Martin was yeah. on it. Well, well, these guys are actually trying to get in those offices and pitch it for us. You know, oh what really? I mean? Yeah. So, oh, that's nice. Yeah, so it's beautiful that the comedy community is like kind of coming together and want this thing to work. So, and then the next thing is uh, we doing this uh, comedy comic book where. Like, we got the Just Us League, you know, instead of the Justice League. And then we got the Triple H, who are the villains. And uh, basically, we'll just take these common day scenarios that happen with, like, police brutality. We'll do just like Law and Order. Take the stories and put our characters from the comedy world into the, you Ripped know. from the headlines. And then, ha- and then have, like, the Justice League just coming to the rescue, you know. And having the villains be... So dynamic, like the Joker and the Riddler, those dudes are just as popular as Batman and Robin, really. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like some people love them more than Batman. Exactly, yeah. and that's how we want to. And, and I didn't, I didn't have to like twist people's arm to be villains. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I'll tell them, and at first they'll like, I kind of like want to be a hero, but then you got to think about villains it. This is a fun. comic book, and villains are fun, dude. Think about it. When you're talking about how popular villains are. Who's the what's the, when I would talk about the movie The Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. which is based off a comic book right. and comic book character. Who's the first character that comes to mind? Harley Quinn. Right. Who's the villain? Who's the Joker's girl? Uh, well, the Joker's companion. Uh, whatever. She was a villain in the comic book yeah. associated with the Joker. Right. For some reason, I have a hard time saying the Joker's girlfriend. Right. I feel like some feminist group's gonna get like Harley Quinn was more than a girlfriend. Right. But whatever. Uh, feminist. So yeah, but she. You had Will Smith in the movie, and Margot Robbie got all the accolades for her role in the movie. Right. Go to a, I do comic book conventions all the time, interviews and 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 just hang out with them because I'm an. Oh well, nerd. we gotta definitely uh, like get you in that 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 room and 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 have you. Oh, be a Alan, part my and have you oh. be a part of uh, the, the 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 process of because yeah. it, it should be good, man. Like we, I, damn, I don't have a t-shirt with me, but like I, we, I've taken the comic book and put it on t-shirts, and and, and even like some of the places that I promote, um, you know, comedy shows at, they're like, oh, we'll 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 split the cost of the t-shirts with you because you're promoting our our spot. Our spot, yeah. But yeah, no. Well, uh, the thing I was gonna say about it is the conventions is. There's more Harley Quinn cosplay out there than any other character. And she's popular right now, but throughout the years, Harley Quinn has always been a humongously popular character. Mm-hmm. And she's a villain. Right. That's one of the best things about it. All right. And then before we let you go, because we know we got a tight schedule, because uh, you got to go back, you got to fight the traffic. I was trying to see if Larry can. ever made it. <laughs> he never. Because um, you started comedy here in New York then. Yeah, I started in New York. Um, I, it was by it was by accident. I was hosting a book reading. One of my boys, Mitchell S. Jackson, who got this book Residue Years, which just went off the chart. He won a bunch of awards for it. But I, I put together a book reading for him and his colleagues, and I just hosted the event. Mitch always was late, so I had to just kind of keep the crowd so, engaged until you had a vamp, right? And so afterwards, this comedian named Mike Brown, which is ironic since Mike Brown is one of the names of the guys that the police has killed in the last couple of years. But uh, this guy is a comedian from Harlem. Uh, he asked me if I ever was ever interested in doing comedy, and I was like, "Well, yeah." And he was like, "All right, well, I, I run this open mic, and it was uh, over there with uh, Monica Vita and 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 Kevin Williams." And I just I waited like two or three weeks because I was like, "Listen, I'm not gonna be in comedy one foot in, one foot out. If I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna just I'm going 100. percent I'm gonna, it's it's gonna change my life because I know that whatever I do, I gotta go." hard or don't do it at all and um 
so I started going to this open mic um, every Thursday at 6. I was leaving work early, and I kept going back for about two or three months. And then they was like, yo, Kenny, you got to go to different open mics. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm loyal. I don't know what your problem is. But then I just started going to another open mics. And, no, uh, here, you, in your head, you think that's right. It's like, I'm loyal to you. I'm going to come here. But <laughs> to, you, you have to expose yourself and your comedy to other people. That's yep. how you grow and, and make success. You, you can't work in a vacuum. No. You can't grow in a vacuum, rather. Nah, it was uh, I, I, it was within the next week, I went to open mic in New York Comedy Club, and this guy Steve Aarons just was looked at me and was like, uh, "I, I see, I see something in your eyes." I said, "What?" He was like, "No, not like that." <laughs> I was like, "Oh." He was like, "Yeah, you, you should um do this show," and I didn't know about bringer shows or none of that. But he was like, "Yeah, you bring like three to five people, and you get to perform." And so I was like. Okay, so I work in a barbershop. They all been trying to like come out to comedy shows for the longest, and I was like, I ain't ready yet. I ain't ready. But June 13, 2012, I came to New York Comedy Club. 27 people came out to see me. Oh, jeez. They, I mean, and it was like, they were like, after like seven people, they, I, everything was mine. Yeah. So I kind of like, first show, I was like, dang, you get money for this and all that. And, and, and people was like, who is this Kenny Warren guy? All these people. And it was my first show. And it just on stage, it was like that movie Wanted when the air was moving and he threw the bullet and curved it. And, it, and I just was on stage and the crowd, it was like a dance. And I was like, this is the feeling that I had when I used to play basketball in college. I'm doing this. Did you, before that guy brought up, hey, can you, have you ever thought about doing comedy? Did you think comedy was an achievable goal? Because some people don't realize that. Some people think comedy is just impossible to get into. Well, it, it just. It has to be, it has to, something has to click for you to decide to, to do anything. And, like, you know, I'm in a barbershop talking crazy every day. Uh, people having a good time. They, people are always like, yo, man, you should be on stage, man. And I used to be like, yeah, you just, it's just like small talk. You're not really paying attention to that. But sometimes people put stuff in the universe and it's, it is what it is now. Yeah, no, it's, I, I talk to new comedians all the time who, I, I run a website in Boston, bostoncomedyshows.com, mm -hmm. that lists every comedy show in town on a calendar site. And then I also have a, a page for open mics. So when I run into a new comedian, most of the time I was like, so how did you hear about this? They either found my website, another guy another guy who lists open mics, mm -hmm. um, or they're like, I was walking past, they were doing an open mic, and I always wanted to do comedy. And that's the number one answer is somebody goes, I just stumbled upon this place doing this right now, and I want to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I will give them the card go, go to this website. Hit open mics, start going to other open mics. Um, because even with the internet, some people don't still don't know how to find those open mics. Right. You know, like, word of mouth is still the number one way comedians <laughs> get booked and keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. Like, I got booked on your show because Christy recommended me. Right. She, she turned, it, turned you over to me. Mm -hmm. Had I messaged you out of the clear blue, would have been probably less... Nah, for, I'm pretty. Go, hey, you know what? Yeah, I get a, a lot there. of people messaging me like now, because I, I, I run a, probably about seven shows. Like I got bar shows, two up uptown, one is an open mic, and I got like five shows there. And then I got yeah, a, a comic strip live once a month and Broadway once a month. So the, like seven shows a month or seven shows a month. That's a lot of shows. To well, it's, I, these are weeklies. The only the monthlies oh. are Broadway and comic strip. The rest of them are weeklies or biweekly. So. And like uh, so, you what seven a week and two monthlies? I run about f like I'd say six like six a week. Oy vey, bless your heart. Yeah, cause I run two shows on Sunday. Like tonight is three shows, 
six, eight, and ten. And I already had Monday night, Tuesday night, uh, Wednesday open mic, and then Thursday and Friday and uh, Saturday I didn't have. Sh- I just did other shows and, or house shows. But so yeah, about six a week, and then two monthlies. But it's hosting and, and producing. Yeah, that's a lot a week to be doing, man. Yeah, and but I, but New York. Everything's a lot. It is. Like if you're not doing, fi- if you're only doing 15 open mics a week, then they think you're lazy. Probably. Which it's a, in Boston, it's kind of hard to do 15 open mics a week. Right. Eight is achievable. Go. Eight's a lot, and it's achievable. Right. Well, shit, I'm doing eight shows this week: Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Eight, eight shows, and three of them I'm producing, and the other five I was just doing other people's shows. So that's this is what it is, and, and these are not open mics. These is great. Like Greenwich Village was packed. Yeah. Like hot crowd, just you know, Grizzly Pear. That's PJ Landers' show, and PJ Landers is a, a character on um, House of Cards. And uh, now with barbershop, because you're your own boss, you get to work whatever hours you want, which is I'm assuming beneficial for running shows, right? It is, but I I like I work ten to seven, and um, that's just my set time. Um, my shows usually don't start until like eight or you know, and I you know if I have to leave at six thirty, I will. But yeah, I try to keep to a strict you know, time and, you know, just stay consistent. The grind is real in comedy. And the more you do, the more you're on stage, the better you'll get, the more people will see you. And then you all of a sudden you're like in the situation where I started out where I was doing the bringer shows. And now it's like, I remember probably maybe like this time last year, I didn't really have a lot of shows on Friday and Saturday. You know what I mean? Like, like other people's shows. But now, I'm like I'm I'm booked up like <laughs> month out. It's beautiful. That's a good thing. Yeah. Now your your sons are old enough to know dad before he was a comedian. Mm-hmm. What has their opinion been over the past four or five years since you've been starting doing comedy? So actually, your oldest who can go see you now. He's been to a show. He, he's been? I, yeah, he's, he came to a show at Broadway Comedy Club. So he's been to a show. My youngest hasn't. Um, I don't know. I'll wait for him to probably turn. I don't know. I might um, let him come to one of these uh, little restaurant shows, you know, but he's just kind of like an introvert. You know, he does his own thing, which isn't much. Yeah. So, <laughs> he has his console in his backpack and yeah. he sits in his room yep. playing with it. Yeah. But what, is, what was their opinion when you started doing comedy? Because the, the a lot of people's big apprehension on comedy is telling their family and friends, telling their closest closest people. Ah, they didn't really say much, you know. It was kind of like, uh, Dad, yeah, you always been kind of funny. So, you know, once my my youngest son, my oldest son, and he's like, yo, just send me my shirt. I need the average black man's shirt, <laughs> you know. So. All right, and that's let's go on before we wrap up. Let's wrap up with this, average black man, because that's a very – there's, again, that brings up the difference between um, the black cultural and white cultural is a lot of black comedians have a nickname or a pseudonym of some sort. Yeah. Did you know that? Did you see that going in? Like, oh, well, Cedric the Entertainer calls himself the Entertainer. I'm going to – was that instilled just, in you or – Yeah, I just like – Or is it – I used to be a promoter before okay. and like the DJ that black I used to work so with. at, at marketing themselves. Yeah, especially I used to, Black comedians are so good at marketing themselves. I don't know what it is. It's just you, you, you – when you find something that you know – because I knew that if I call myself the average black man, people are going to be like – why you call yourself average? I'm like, it's an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. I'm a father. I'm a college graduate. I've lived abroad. I'm a, uh, I'm a barber. I'm a comedian. I'm an a ex-champion in college. I mean, like, I'm an ex-high school state champion. My life is full of so much... Interesting stuff. Th- 
I'm, Dude, I, we can sit here for hours, but, but we but, only have... But what I'm saying is, it's other dudes just like me. So basically what I'm saying is, the average black man is above average. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, my stage name is Dead Air Dennis. Yeah. Because I worked in radio, it was a nickname. Dead Air was the nickname given to me by one of the program directors when I was a censor for a morning show. Yeah. So when I started doing comedy, I kept it. And I got grief from a lot of people. It's like, no, 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 black people are allowed to have a nickname. You're not. And I was like... Fuck yourself. I'll call myself whatever I want. Yeah. But also, it's a very oxymoronic one because dead air means silence. And if anyone who knows me, I don't stop talking. Right. And that's what it's like you, calling you a got big the guy oxymoron, tiny. too. That's the whole thing. <laughs> I think I got to start explaining that on stage, too, because people are like, why? I remember this girl that went to um, um, Howard was like, why would you call yourself average? You're, oh, I've you're done funny. homecoming parties for Howard University. Oh. <laughs> they will get at you. They will, now, our she, students are now, not. She was trying to tell me the you you should big up yourself. You're a strong black man. I was like, I know that's what the average <laughs> black man is. You know what we go through on an everyday basis? People locking doors on us and telling us uh, to wait in line when we were there first and all kind of different stuff. And we still got to keep your head and be calm and be cool and be you know. If you know one thing, like, and if you came to the barbershop we would treat you just like any other black person. You know what I mean? Like, that's one thing about, like, and this is the difference in the black barbershop and a hair salon. Because if I go down to a hair salon in Soho and I ask them to cut my hair, they're going to all look at each other like they don't know what the hell's going on in there, and they're going to say, you know what, I can give you a reference. But if any person comes up to a Harlem barbershop, somebody in there can cut their hair. Yeah. And that's the difference. Hmm. All right, Kenny, we got a show to get to. This is awesome. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and there you had it, my podcast with Kenny Warren, the average black man, uh, comedian and barber Kenny Warren. Uh, that was a fun, interesting thing to talk to somebody who did a job, who does a job but that's that historic, that that's old. And I learned a lot about hair that I thought I already knew, especially black hair that uh, growing up in Baltimore, you know, a lot of black people, you learn a lot about hair. Uh, well, from their hair. And like I said, when I was in jail, I thought I learned a lot from those guys. Apparently, I needed to learn more. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're a first time listener to the podcast, uh, do me a favor. If you could, if you enjoyed it and you came here because you're a fan or a friend of Kenny Warren or because you're a fan or a friend of somebody else who's been on the show and you're listening to other episodes, hey, thank you for listening. Two, if you could do us a favor, leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, however you listen to it and subscribe to the podcast because Rating that helps share this episode with more people. The more people that get to hear it, the more people hear about the person that you came here to listen to. So I appreciate it if you did that. All of that algorithm stuff somehow figures itself out and works well, I guess. I'm not sure how that math science works, but it works somehow. So if you could do that, five stars it, uh, reviews it, and do all the other things that you need to do to make other, you know, even share it on your social media. Say, hey, my buddy was on this podcast, and this is what it sounded like. Here's where you can find it. Link. Uh, I would appreciate it. I know my guests would appreciate it. Um, I'm going to take a week off because I'm going to be uh, in Baltimore and uh, D.C. for the whole next week doing the Charm City Comedy Festival and a bunch of other shows. So May 11th, 10 p.m., Zizimo's uh, in Hamden on. That's going to be where I'm doing my part of the Trump City Comedy Festival. And I'll do a whole bunch of shows also that week, which you'll find all that info at eventually deadairdennis.com. Uh, you can find links and tickets and things, all the places that you want to go to see me right there. Uh, by the way, if we are friends and you're in the Baltimore area, you don't just want to hang out. You can just give me a call. You don't have to come see me at a comedy show. I appreciate it if you did. I got some funny stuff that I'm talking about. Uh, I always have funny things to say, I suppose. 
Anyway, if you want to come see me do comedy, if you're in the Baltimore, D.C. area, denodenison.com, uh, May 11th, 10 p.m., Charm City Comedy Festival. Just Google Charm City Comedy Festival, and uh, you'll find the tickets there. They are on sale now for, I think, 10 bucks, which is, you know, a steal for it. And then you can get, like, a festival pa- pass and go to all the shows uh, that entire weekend if you would like by the way, I didn't know that people outside of Baltimore didn't know that Charm City was referred was the nickname for Baltimore. Like every time I tell people, oh, I'm doing the Charm City Comedy Festival, or I went to the Charm City Comedy Festival, they're like, oh, cool. Where is that? I'm like, uh, in Charm City, Baltimore. Duh. And they're like, I had no idea that it was called that. Like, I assumed that was like the well-known nickname for the city that everyone knew, like how uh, Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love or how um, I New York's the Big Apple and Chicago's the Windy City. And I don't know any other city nicknames. So maybe it makes sense that people don't know that Baltimore is Charm City. So anyway, thank you again for listening to this episode. Uh, I will be May 10th through the 17th in the Baltimore, D.C., Northern Virginia, the DMV, my hometown area, uh, doing comedy. So come see me out there if you are in those areas. All that info, deaderdentist.com. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, share it with a friend. Appreciate you guys listening. I hope you found it as interesting and as fun as I did. Thanks again. Goodbye.